Welcome. You're listening to The Aligned Self, conversations in creating a conscious and abundant life. This is Daniel DeNovi. I'll be your guide and host. Let's see just where we can take this. Hello, friend, and welcome. I just want to tell you, as we begin here, how much I appreciate your listening, appreciate your ear, and your willingness to in this conversation. And it's, it's my purpose, it's my intention that this is a conversation that makes a difference for you. I really only like to have conversations <laughs> that make a difference. I'm not one to engage in trivial uh, banter. And when I was younger, I would avoid those situations <laughs> like the plague. I wouldn't go to parties. I wouldn't engage with other people because, frankly, I didn't want to bother myself with trivial, inconsequential conversation and the tediousness that occurs with that. Ooh, I'm so judgmental and righteous. At least I was. But I realize that the idle conversation today I realize that this idle conversation, this little banter back and forth, is a way to get to know people, to even the playing field, and open up to a deeper understanding. So while I'm more tolerant of uh, idle conversation, I'm, it's not my favorite. I always want to engage in conversations that make a difference. And today's conversation is the power of alignment. And I want to begin this topic by talking about a time that happened when I was oh in my mid-20s. I was a manager for a restaurant, and it just so happened that this particular restaurant was burglarized. Like when I was out working on the floor, someone had broken into the safe and taken all the money or the deposit for that day. I was managing the line outside. We were busy, and one of the workers, one of the people that worked in the kitchen, ran out to the line and said, sir, someone ran out of the office with a bunch of money. I go, what? And I ran to the office and the safe door was wide open and all the money was gone. And it was a substantial amount. It was the entire amount for the entire entire day of business. Well, I immediately <laughs> knew that there was a serious problem afoot. And I looked out the door where Oscar, the guy that worked in the back, it's not his real name, but Oscar said that, you know, the guy ran out and I looked and I didn't see anybody. And apparently it just happened, but I didn't see anybody, not a single soul. But it was relatively late at night. And uh, I ended up calling my manager, his boss and his boss's boss. And before I knew it, corporate security was there, the police were there, and I was answering questions, and everyone knew that something was up. And uh, I just had this feeling like I was going to lose my job. And uh, one of the other managers said, you have a pretty firm grasp of reality. <laughs> you know, I, I knew that, you know, it was my shift, it was my responsibility, and somehow someone had taken all the money in the safe. And I was sure, I was absolutely sure that I did not leave it open. I have an answer for how it was taken at the end of this. But without going into too much detail, I did end up losing my job. I was let go that morning. In fact, my boss's boss had tears in his eyes when he told me he had to let me go. 
because I was a very promising young manager, and he felt extremely bad that he had to let me go. And he promised me that he would assist me in getting another job at another restaurant. And he was his word. It was within a week I had another position. I was offered a new position, actually making more money than I was making at the other restaurant. But it was through the assistance of my former boss that I got this position so quickly. And I was probably in the position after about a month when I was contacted by the Columbus Police Department. Now, this occurred when I was living in Columbus, Ohio. And uh, the Columbus police, there was a detective that was investigating the burglary. They didn't call it a robbery because no one openly took the money. They kind of took it when no one was looking, which is considered a burglary. Well, back to the Columbus police. Uh, The detective contacted me and read me my rights right off the bat. And me being young and stupid said, I waive my rights. (laughs) That I knew I didn't do anything. And at that time, I didn't realize that I was a suspect. But I answered all his questions, and he said, I would like you to take a polygraph. And I was actually kind of excited because I had never taken a polygraph, and it was something that I wanted to experience. And uh, so it was scheduled for Tuesday morning. But anyways, I'm, I'm working in the other job in the other restaurant, and Monday nights, every Monday is when we did the store inventory inventoried everything in the store, and it typically took me until 2, 2.30 in the morning. And my appointment the next day at the police department to get my polygraph was like 8.30, 9 o'clock. And one of the first questions they would ask me is, did you get eight hours of sleep? I said, no. And they asked, why not? I said, well, every Monday night I do an inventory and I work till 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning. And by scheduling it early the next day, I don't have an opportunity to get eight hours sleep. And so they sent me home. They didn't allow me to take the polygraph because the results would be skewed without enough sleep. And so it went a couple of weeks. And then uh, I was getting phone calls. Like anytime there was a robbery or a burglary in the city, I would get a phone call asking for my whereabouts. I thought that was interesting. And I still didn't realize that I was considered a suspect. And then I got a call one Tuesday morning to come in immediately. You know, if I clear my schedule, ask me if I could come in right away to have a polygraph taken. Well, again, this is after Monday night. First thing they asked me, did you get eight hours sleep? I said, no, I do. Like I told you before, I do the inventory on Monday night. I don't get enough sleep. There's just no way I can do it. And apparently they were trying to catch me off guard and bring me in for the polygraph. And there was an other questions that they wanted to ask me about. And the polygraph technician was uh, Detective Cooper, Randy Cooper. And I remember him vividly. He was a good-looking guy, but he was confined to a wheelchair. And he told me that he had taken a bullet in the, in the lower back, severed his spinal cord, and he was forever confined to the wheelchair. And he, he actually learned polygraph. And he asked me, Can you and I just have a real conversation just between you and me? Why aren't you getting enough sleep when you know you have to come in? I said, well, this time I didn't know I had to come in. But I told the detective that I do the inventory every Monday night. He keeps scheduling me Tuesday morning. I don't know why. 
And then I said, on top of it, I keep getting these phone calls from the department asking for my whereabouts anytime there's a, a burglary or some situation in the city as, as if I'm involved. And he said, wait a minute, like, let's, let me just talk to you. I said, I sit across from liars all the time. Tell me what happened. And I told him, then he asked me some questions in response to it. And he's looking at me intently. And he said, you didn't do it. You're not involved. And I said, how do you know? He said, and he reaffirmed, he says, I sit across from liars all the time. I read body cues. Not only I don't rely just on the polygraph, but I rely on all the different cues, the nonverbal cues that a person will exhibit. Because while you may say one thing, the body doesn't lie. And I will remember that statement for the rest of my life. And I said, what about the detective? He says, don't worry about him. I'll take care of it. He won't bother you. You will get no more phone calls ever again. And Randy Cooper was good for his word. I don't know where he is. I don't know if he's still alive because it was a long time ago. But he changed my life. On one hand, just my interaction with him and learning the fact that you could read a person's cues and know whether they were lying or not. I have since become an expert in nonverbal communication. I utilize it in my coaching. I utilize it in every interaction that I'm involved with. Not only can you learn about the lying aspect or whether someone's telling the truth, but you can hone in on how, how fearful someone is. How congruent are they in their messaging? Do they believe what they're talking about? So in this reading of the nonverbal cues, the nonverbal communication, I look for congruence. And you, even though you may not be an expert in nonverbal communication, you also look for congruence in a message. And often when there's an incongruence in a delivery, some people say, I get a feeling I just don't like him or her. There's something about it. I just can't quite put... There's something about them. I just can't quite put my finger on it, but there's something I don't trust about them. And so we're consciously and other than consciously looking for that congruence, for that uh, delivery. Does the person walk their talk? Because again, the mind can lie. The mind can censor emotions, can censor things you're thinking, but the body doesn't lie. So if you hold a belief in your body, if you hold it in your subconscious, you will see an incongruence in the delivery of that message. Now, it may be a verbal tick. It may be an unconscious shaking of the head. No, it could be, you know, movement of the hands, the arms. So you look for a shift or a difference when a message is being delivered. So congruence equals alignment. Now, in the context of manifesting and creating your life, if you have an intention, but you hold a counter belief or have a doubt, a serious doubt that you'll be able to fulfill on it, the body exhibits the doubt. Your subconscious is entrained in the doubt. So you can say whatever you want about the intention, but if you haven't aligned your heart with your mind and your body, the message is incongruent not only to other people, but also to the universe. And the universe always buys what you believe in your heart, what you have in your bones. But when you're congruent 
in your expression, when you are congruent in your faith, it doesn't require a lot because that doubt, that inconsistency is so pervasive for human beings because we all want to look good. We all want to come across as if we know what we're doing. When you have enough congruent faith, if it's only the size of a mustard seed, you can say to that mountain, move, and it will move. And this is what this story that Jesus was relaying, when you have the faith of a mustard seed, anything is possible, because it is that congruent power that unleashes the energy of the universe. And congruence literally means when everything adds up. Your body language, your tone of voice, your gestures, your thoughts, all are aligned towards the fulfillment of your goal, intention or action. When we see people that are congruent, their message is congruent, they're aligned. When we see these people in the marketplace, and to me, when I say marketplace, that's the world, whether it's politics, you know, in business, at the school, in the marketplace, out there in the world, the outside world. When we see someone that is completely aligned in the marketplace, we want, we are attracted to them. We trust them. And sometimes we say, I don't know why, but I just trust them. Their heart is aligned with their mind and their body. Now, what do I mean by that? Because you'll hear me say that a lot. When I refer to the heart, it's your emotions, it's your feelings, it's the sensations in your body. All those are aligned with your thinking. Your thinking supports your emotions. Your emotions support your thinking. And then your body, that's the movement, the actions. Everything is aligned in a congruent expression. And when I talk about the power of congruence, I like to refer back to the firewalk, and I've led hundreds of people across burning hot coals. And one of the first things that I tell them, that if you are incongruent in walking across the coals, more than likely, you will burn. And so what that means is, when you're walking, you're aligned as if you are walking to the other side, powerfully and directly, as a firewalker. Your beingness, your beingness, your heart, your mind, and your body is aligned as a firewalker. Not as someone that might get burned, but as someone that is congruently walking from one side to the other. And then it's just knowing for yourself when you're in front of the coals uh, when you're ready to take the first step. Because that's the biggest challenge. That's the biggest decision that you'll make in that whole experience is how do you know when you're ready? to take that first step. And it's that feeling of congruence. It's the feeling of alignment. And your body will respond. The way I set it up in my workshop is that there's a little pull forward when you're ready to take the first step and then you trust your other than conscious mind and take the step and just walk, walk, walk. And the way people build that congruence, that alignment is by standing powerfully at one end as a firewalker, and then focusing on the intention, which is to walk to the other side, they walk beyond the end of the coals. And I know that when they're experiencing fear, it's because they're focusing on the coals and their, their conversation is, what if I fall or what if I burn? 
They're focusing on the thing that they don't want to happen. But when you align with where you want to go and align your body, your thoughts, and your emotions with the fulfilling of that intention, that is alignment. That is also the principle behind this podcast. That's why I call it the aligned self. My signature coaching program is the aligned self, where we do a deep dive and identify the highest priorities of life that you hold dear, not what I hold dear, but what you hold as the highest priorities of life. And then we work at aligning your behavior so that your behavior supports what you consider most valuable in your world. And then also the beliefs that are there, they also support the living of these principles and that you hold these principles as the highest standards by which a person could live. And when you align your behavior, your life, your loving with what matters most to you, there is a power that is so incredible, so life-fulfilling, so so life-affirming that you have a sense of self-esteem like you've never had before. So this principle of alignment goes hand in hand with commitment, because if you're not 100%, 110 or 1,010% committed, if you're less than 100%, you're not congruent. You're not aligned with the real fulfillment of that promise or that intention. You see, if you're just 99% aligned, that's still not enough. If you consider that water boils at 212 degrees Fahrenheit, but at 211, 211 degrees, it's still just water. But at 212, it turns into steam every time. When I was speaking in a previous episode about the dimensions of living an epic life, and I talked about living in the context of possibility, and actually using the verbiage and the tonality is consider it done. Yes, it's history. It's a done deal. Rather than, well, I think I can get it done in time. Can you can you deliver this on time? Well, maybe. <laughs> and you can hear it when people express their love. You know, when somebody says, you know, you never say that you love me anymore. What do you mean? I don't. I love you. Like, okay, I'm saying it. I love you. And it's like, I, I just don't quite get it. Instead, if they were to say, I love you, you are the most important thing to me. I love you. It's the tonality. Like, it doesn't match up. We can see an actor on film. And if they're presenting the, the character congruently, we believe it. That's the sign and the hallmark of a good or a great actor. Like, they are aligned. They're calling up on emotions that may not be the emotion of the that character at the moment, but they're pulling on their reserve inside. They're recreating the feeling and exuding it and expressing it in a way that sells the character to us. And that probably brings up a good point. How do you know if someone's actually being congruent or aligned? Well, anybody can fake it for a couple minutes. But it's when times get tough, it's under duress, it's under pressure, when they tend to fall apart, when the story tends to fall apart. And, you know, these actors, they only deliver a few lines inside the character 
and then they break and there's another scene. And so they get to step in and out of this, this character. Now where this is relevant, like in the dating world, when we're first getting to know somebody, a lot of times people will put their best face forward and not really reveal all their foibles and scars and, you know, the shadow stuff, the stuff that if they revealed it, they feel the other person would turn and run in a heartbeat. So understand that we're always doing this. We always want to put, most people do it, uh, put their best face forward. And that's why the people that just put the stuff out there and they don't care how you take it or whether you take it at all, we trust them because they're very authentic, typically very authentic. But in the context of dating, when people are putting their, their best foot forward, they're putting their mask on and say, look at me, look, fall in love with me. Again, that's not sustainable over time. That's why typically after two, three months, uh, the real person begins to come out. Or whenever, you know, adversity rears its head, that's when the, their training comes out, their real person comes out. And how we typically play a role in that, in allowing that to happen, is because we want to believe them. We want to believe they're the one. We want them. We want to believe that they love us and they're attracted to us the way we're attracted to them. So we believe the mask. We believe what they say. So what do you do? So one thing to do is listen to the next podcast, the five minute Friday. And that's where I'm going to talk about being in an inquiry of living in the query. And that will assist you if you're in the dating world in ferreting out these people and having them take their mask off in a way that's uh, respectful to them and respectful to you. But as I bring this conversation to a close, I just want to reiterate the freaking power of alignment. When your heart is aligned with your mind and your body, when your emotions are aligned with your thinking and those are in line with your actions, then you are unstoppable. You are attractive. You manifest things so quickly. The reasons we don't manifest things like we have these intentions and it just doesn't happen, we're incongruent. We're not aligned. And that is the only reason. A lot of times people say, well, it's not the right time. Well, it's not the right time because you're not aligned. You get to say when the right time is. But that alignment is so powerful, it will bring you riches, it will bring you love, it will bring you friendship, it will bring you life satisfaction. And that is the promise of the aligned self. Oh, I almost forgot. Remember when I said earlier in the podcast that I would reveal how they were able to open up the safe? The big suggestion was I left it open. But what I found out later, it was actually almost a year later, that no one actually wanted to admit that since this was a training store and they had franchisees come in and different things, that the combination of the safe was taped to the bottom of the desk drawer. <laughs> It was self-evident on what had happened, or at least how available the combination was. And why didn't I know it was taped to the bottom? Well, I have a, such a freaking amazing memory. They told me once, and I knew it, and have never forgot it. This is Daniel V, suggesting you follow your bliss, live from inner signals, and live the epic life. <laughs> <laughs> 